This is episode 104 of the Biz Women Rock podcast. Let's go. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am bringing you tremendous stories from business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so they can talk about their business journey so yours can be inspired by it. I've got a great story to share with you today, but before we begin, it is time for our Biz Women Wednesday series. Every single Wednesday before our main interview, we take a second to shine the light on an amazing woman who's a part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today, we're highlighting Cassandra Rosario, who's the founder of Food Before Love. And it's basically a resource for people who are foodies to find great restaurants and food resources around the New York area. She basically connects mouth-watering menus with discerning taste buds. Cassandra, way to go, girl. If you wanna find out more about Cassandra, and if you want to know how you can be highlighted during our Biz Women Wednesday series, just go to bizwomenrock.com. My guest today is Karen Collicutt, who's the founder of a company called Make Friends With Your Money. She's a money coach who really specializes in helping you see where you are in your personal financial life or your business's financial life right now in real terms versus what you think is going on and what your attitude towards the money is and what you can do to really make differences in your financial life in the next 30 days, 30 months. Now where she is specialized and where she gets so open with us is about how she's actually created an online community and built out online products that are allowing her to have a much larger impact and also bringing in her a whole different set of revenue that is now automated. So if you are a consultant and spending your time dealing with clients on a one-on-one basis and want to get more into a model of having online products that produce for you over and over again, this will be an incredible interview to listen to. So let's get going. Karen, thank you so much for being on the phone with me today. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. All right, Miss Canada, you are here on the phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am very excited to bring your story to everyone, um, specifically because it revolves around your knowledge about finances and money. But I'm always very interested in the story behind why you're interested in that and what has led you to, to where you are right now. So um, before we really get into your business of make friends with your money, can you give us a little bit of a background uh, to explain kind of where you were before you started your business? Yeah, I'd love to. It's uh, it's sort of a two-part story. The, the first part goes back uh, quite a number of years, about 14 years to uh, when I was, I was about 27, I had a major health issue, and I was uh, off work for a year. And I was on disability, of course, that never quite works out the way you thought it would, and so my income went down to about 32% of what it had been. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting challenge. Um, my husband and I had a new house, and, you know, we had made some, fortunately, some good decisions on, you know, not buying too big of a house and so on, but it was a real challenge on the financial side, and, um, you know, we didn't really do a lot of the things that would have been helpful had we understood more about how money worked and so on in that time. So we came out of that, and a couple of years later, 
I had an opportunity to uh, look at a new career, and a few people had invited me to take a look at becoming a financial planner. And I thought, you know, I've had some financial, you know, ups and downs. I can see how I could help people, and I really like to work with people and help people to create, you know, the life that they wanted. And I thought this was a great opportunity for me to do that. So I started doing my licensing and, and so on, and I started working as a traditional financial planner doing insurance and investments and so on. And I liked it. I was good at it. I had a really great uh, business that I had built up, had a lot of clients. And what I found was, you know, a lot of those clients were having some of the challenges that I had had when I had gone through my health issue. And a lot of them were really struggling you know, making good money. Like most of my clients were making, you know, over a hundred thousand, sometimes, you know, hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand family income, and they were still living month to month. And I recognized some of the challenges, some of the habits from my own experience. And I really saw that these people were, you know, these are, you know, smart, educated, successful people and they just didn't know what they were supposed to do. They'd never been taught how to deal with their day-to-day money. And as a financial planner, really, we're looking at, you know, 30 years out. What are you going to do in retirement? What are you going to do if you pass away, you know, and you're, you still have a mortgage? You know, those long-term things. And nobody was really talking about what are you doing in the next 30 days and in the next 30 months. And I just saw all these people didn't, they just hadn't been taught and they didn't know what they were, what to do. And so I started to work with them. And it became really clear to me that this was a huge gap in the industry. Nobody was really helping people with the day-to-day stuff. And so I actually sold my practice. Um, I took a money coaching certification program from some colleagues of mine out uh, in the west coast of uh, Canada and started working strictly with people around cash flow, what's happening with their money on a day-to-day basis. And because I've been an entrepreneur and I come from entrepreneurs, I spent a lot of time talking with entrepreneurs about how to build the bridge between their personal and their business money. Uh, question for you. When you were kind of going through your health, health issue during that year, um, you know, and you really had to take a significant loss in your income, what did you and your husband actually do? I know had you had mentioned you kind of had made some smart investments, but like, you know, it wasn't until a little further on that you actually sort of had this financial cap on. What kind of stuff did you guys do in that moment before you knew all that information that kind of helped you get back on your feet? That's a great question because I'll tell you, we did all the things that we shouldn't have done. <laughs> That's always Which the way it happens, right? I'm good at teaching this, right? <laughs> I've made lots of mistakes. I understand what what happened. So we did almost nothing to change our expenses. We continued, essentially continued to live our life the way we had been. I spent a lot less money in gas because I wasn't driving for my business, um, being off, you know, being off work. But um, basically, we did very little to change our current our situation at that time. And what we ended up doing, to to be honest, which is what a lot of families do when they get into a crisis like this, is uh, we refinanced our house. And we rolled all that debt that we had accumulated during the year into our house and basically used up the equity we had grown in our house and came out the other end of this year with bigger debt, bigger challenges, bigger problems. 
And um, it wasn't until I started to really start, you know, dig into how to finance this work and what could I teach people that I understood what we could have done, which, you know, just, you know, a couple of the things, if people are in similar circumstances, you know, take a look at, you know, what can you do to adjust your spending? Is there places where you can increase your revenue? Is there anywhere you can make some money? Are there things that you can sell out? We should have sold our truck. <laughs> you know, we're right. paying this truck payment and I couldn't drive because of the health issue I had. So we had this truck sitting in the driveway that we couldn't drive. And, you know, so there are things that you can do when you're in that moment, but the tendency is to put the blinders up and just try and keep something normal, right? So we just tried to keep our little life normal um, and we just kept accumulating the debt and it racked up on our credit cards. Wow. Under line of credit. So, so now fast forward, now you, you know, have kind of taken all this training and you're very naturally fitting into talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. You're, you know, seeing that there's a gap in the marketplace. What did you do from there? So what I did was, uh, I really went, I did a lot of speaking to get in front of people because part of the challenge is you know, in the the sixties kind of blew, you know, the topic of sex open and we've we now talk about religion and politics. We still don't talk about money. And so really what I was doing was looking for places where I could create a conversation about money that allowed people to start to talk about it. And so I took my uh, my knowledge, my I'm a certified financial planner, my knowledge as a as a financial planner, as well as my own life experiences with, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and started to work with people, um, mostly couples. So, and often one of those couples had a business and uh, worked with them over a period of time to help them really dig into what are they doing with their money? So there's, you know, sort of two pieces, like what are you doing with it and how are you being around it? Right? And, and I would help people to lay out some structures, some systems, some strategies and then also really start to look at what are the habits that they have and what are the patterns that they're running around money that are creating problems for them. So is that the whole, like, how are you being around money part? Like, what is yeah. your attitude towards money? Like, what like what kind of weight does it hold in your life? Yeah, what energy are you putting on it? What are you telling yourself about money? Uh, what uh, are you deciding is most important in your life? A lot of us spend money on stuff we don't really care about. We do. We spend all sorts of money on stuff we don't need, we don't want, and often, you know, we don't really have a big intention towards. And so getting people to start to really look at, you know, what is it that you want? What kind of life do you want? What kind of experiences do you want in your world? And how can you match your money to those goals and those values? And that's really where that mindset comes in. You can, you know, I can teach people the math of money, Right. In fact, you know, most personal finances is kind of grade school math. Right. It's adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. Right. It's right. Not super, right. It's really not that complex. The problem is we don't, we haven't been taught how to apply that information to this particular topic, and then we wrap all this emotion on top of it. Right. Right. You know, most, right. Most couples are not on the same page around money, and so a lot of people are running in this ignore panic cycle. Right? We ignore it, ignore it, don't look, don't talk about it until there's a crisis, and then they have to 
talk about it. And so then they're into a panic mode. They deal with a crisis and then go back into ignore. So helping people to pull out of that. What was your experience working with clients? Because you said you were working with a lot of couples and now you're just saying like a lot of those couples don't have the same attitude towards money or they they disagree about it or a lot of kind of stuff is blowing up amongst them with it. How did you as as like a counselor to these people, a financial counselor to these people, how did you engage with them that way? Like how did you make sure that they were getting on the same page and making future plans and being able to come to like a great place of agreement? Like as... So as an advisor, like what, how did you actually handle that? Well, I think the most important thing to do is, is to make sure we start by getting a really clear picture of where they are. And you know, most, when I, most people I talk to, when I ask them how much their life costs, they really don't know. And so part of the reason that couples aren't on the same page is they're not actually working with the same information. If, if you don't have the data, your perception of the situation is based on your own filters. And we all have our own filters. Our, you know, our partner has different filters than we do. And so helping people to understand, first of all, what is, what's the actual, what are the facts? Right, <laughs> what are the right. facts, ma'am? Right? <laughs> you know, what are the facts? Where are you actually at? And then we start to look at, you know, what do you want? And we, you know, getting both people in the relationship to talk about what, you know, what is it that they want their life to look like? What is important? What are the things that if, you know, one of the, the um, activities I have people do uh, is I call it light up your expenses. And I have them go through their expenses and talk about and actually label them as red, yellow, or green. So red is, you know, required, contractual, you know, your mortgage payment is a red, right? You have, you've agreed to it. It's a contractual payment. You must pay it unless you make it a major life change to your living situation. Yellow is something like groceries. You have to spend money on groceries, but it's variable. You can spend a lot or a little. And then there's the greens, which are life enhancers, things that you can add to your life to enhance it. Just doing that exercise alone allows couples to see what their differences of opinion are on different things. You know, she might think that his hockey is a green and he thinks it's a yellow. <laughs> right? It's a must. It's just variable. How many times are you going to go? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he might feel the same way about her buying books or going to yoga, right? And so being able to just create a place to have a conversation is, you know, we'll talk about all sorts of things in our life that, Often these very simple things, it seems like we expect the other person to either be able to read our mind or we really are um, assuming that we're, we're on the same page. And so starting to get people to look at that. And, you know, my, one of my questions I ask more often than anything is, did you, did you know that she felt that way? Did you know that he thought that? You know, sometimes it's just a matter of asking the question. Right. Did you realize that your partner saw it this way? So I would imagine that, you know, what what I think all great financial advisors and coordinators really do, and this goes really for any great coach, any great um, advisor, anything like that, is that you put, you force your clients to put facts down so they, they can see fact versus whatever story that they're telling themselves about that, right? And then you can deal with yep. the facts moving forward. But finances is not the sexy space. And so my question for you is, as 
the owner of your company that is providing financial services, what have been some of your best ways to get, like to market yourself, to really make sure that people are um, seeing you as a resource and seeing you as a resource that they want to invest not only money, but time into, because that stuff takes time. And for, you know, I would imagine for the general populace, that's not they really kind of just want to keep on going. You know, they just want to... Not really where they want to spend their time. (laughs) Well, you know, like in the the whole lineup of like things I have to have, you know, where most people would see having a financial advisor or, or going and getting financially educated is one of those green issues. It's like... Okay, I can have it. It's a it's an enhancer, but your en- entire company relies on the fact that people see you as either a red or a yellow. So, what have been some of your best strategies in marketing yourself so that people see that they have to have the structure and the and the education that you're providing? I speak a lot. I think the biggest uh, opportunity is to get people engaged in a conversation. Because this becomes such a quiet, private issue. And when people start to realize that they're not alone, that their friends are also struggling, that other people are having challenges, that people who are smart, successful, and making good money are still living month to month. When they start to recognize that they're part of a larger group, it's not just them that's you know, really not understanding this, then it takes some of the pressure off and it also allows them to see what the possibilities are. Right. So I speak a lot. I do a, a weekly newsletter and in that newsletter I do testimonials. And I think that's one of the big things that once people know who I am, they recognize and start to read the testimonials and start to see themselves in some of my other clients. Mm-hmm. And they start to realize that there is uh, a huge benefit in taking a small amount of time because it is in the grand scheme of your life, it's a small amount of time to change the way you deal with your money. The thing is, money touches every single part of your life. It's not the most important thing, but it, it's connected to everything. And so when you start to get really clear on what's happening with your money, then things can move in other areas. So mm-hmm. I do speak, I do my testimonials, I do... Um, uh, I have a special report that I make available, and I have actually a number of affiliates that are sharing that with their community in order to be able to start the conversation, because that's really the place where uh, it starts, is for people to start to recognize that it could be different, that they could have peace of mind around money, that they could feel in control, and then it starts to move up from a green to a yellow to a red. Right, right. Now, during your kind of business evolution, let's say, so you're kind of starting to get clients one by one, you, you know, you're out there speaking, you're doing, you're sending out your newsletter, and you keep on getting clients, like how, how, I'm interested to know, like how many of your clients that come in are from referral versus maybe somebody coming in because they're on your email list. And now, you know, they've kind of been hearing from you for a while. I'm about... I'm about 40% referrals. Okay. It's interesting. There's people, you know, people, it's getting more and more. Um, It's taken a bit for people to feel comfortable talking about the fact that they have a money coach because it seems like they're, you know, they're worried about it looking like they don't know what they're doing or whatever. But as they get more and more confident with their money, then they start to say, oh my gosh, this is really making a huge difference in our lives. We need to, you know, share it with our friends. So that's happening more and more. 
I actually get a lot of people looking online, and they find me through um, through my website, through my blog, through my Facebook, uh, because they're looking for somebody who can help them. And uh, they're looking for, they're actually searching for a money coach, a financial coach, somebody to help them figure stuff out. And most of these people are not in massive debt. They're in massive frustration. Mm, that's a really good point. And you're going to find, when you're in pain, you're going to find some sort of solution for that pain. So right. that brings me to a conversation you and I were having offline with the fact that you really started your business kind of like having like one-on-one consulting, one-on-one like advisory sessions, right? And you've really mm-hmm. gone through a couple of different evolutions in your business. So can you talk a little bit about that, like kind of where you started and the different evolutions you've been through? Sure. So I started, as you said, working one-on-one with clients, and I certainly still do that and will probably always do that. What I really found was that there's only so much time in a day, and there's only so many people I can speak to uh, on a one-on-one basis. And for me, that was a frustration. I wanted to be able to invite more people to the conversation, to impact more people and have a bigger conversation this is an area that people don't talk about, and they. It's, I really wanted to create space for people to start to engage in a conversation about money. And so I started to build out uh, an online community. I started to do some group programs. So I've got a, a couple of different programs, and right now one of the biggest places that I'm building that sort of space for leverage and, you know, leverage to get the conversation going and also leverage to build out my company in a way where I'm not trading dollars for hours all the time, um, being able to leverage my ability to share this information is through uh, uh, I have a special report called The 1% Secret, which uh, engages people specifically around business and what is their what's their persona in business and with their money. And that moves them into a online training program called the new paradigm for personal wealth. And that is a place for people to start to recognize some of their patterns around money, some of the myths that they're dealing with. And then um, if they are looking for more information beyond that, there's a, a boot camp to get them started. So that has allowed me to leverage my time and my energy, and it's allowed me to invite a much bigger audience into that conversation, which is exciting for me and really beneficial to the people who are involved because they will start to recognize that they're not there on their own, that there's other people that are you know, feeling some of the same things and looking for some of the same answers, and uh, it opens that conversation up. So I want to dig in really deep into some of the processes and actual things that you're doing to create this online community and to make this um, kind of business of online products and services to be able to multiply yourself available to everyone. Um, Because I think this is really important. I think there are a lot of women who are consultants, they are coaches, they are loving dealing with clients one-on-one, but they're looking for ways to really um, leverage that a lot better. And I think what you're doing is really great example of that. So can you talk about maybe some of the first steps that you took to actually, you know, get kind of get your business online, create a community? I don't know which one came first for you. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of those steps that you went through? 
Sure. So I, I right from the time that I had my uh, that I first started make friends with your money, I had uh, a newsletter, and I started doing. I did once a month for about two months, and then I was like, okay, that's not enough. And I went to every two weeks, and then I went to once a week um, after I'd been writing for about eight months, and I've been doing uh, once a week since then, and that um, has been a great space to practice writing. So for people who are starting to build you know, starting to look at how can they create a conversation. Um, and, and newsletter is a very inexpensive way to do it. Uh, you can use, you know, there's all sorts of different programs that you can use. One of the least expensive or free is uh, MailChimp, and that allows you to build a list. And so I started to build my list, um, and I built that from speaking, from networking, from doing booths, and, and so on. And then from there, I wrote, ran my first online program. I, in that process, I was also doing some teleclasses, um, and really sort of practicing what did online look like. And teleclasses was an easy way to do it. It um, felt fairly low risk. All you need was is an opt-in page and a and some emails to follow up. What, and, so what, uh, is, what is a teleclass, just to explain to everyone? Oh, sure. So a teleclass is, hey, guys, I'm going to have this conversation. We're going to do it in a public way. I'm going to get on the phone and uh, talk, uh, provide you with some great content. You hop on the phone and listen in. And depending on how you're doing it, you might have um, interaction or not. And um, you can use something like free conference call uh, it allows everybody to get on the line with you, and you deliver some great content. It builds your community. Teleclasses can be free. They can be paid. Um, I certainly was doing free at that point. Part of what I was trying to do was build my list and build that community. And then um, and that you know gives people an opportunity to get a taste for who you are and what you're about. That's great. So um, these are like they're, they're like audio webinars, basically. So people can come yeah. in. It's like an online workshop. So yeah, yeah, okay, basically. Cool. And you can do it audio or you can do it video. Um, the video, uh, the webinar ones have you know, have become more common in the last you know sort of eighteen months. Um, before that, <laughs> everything seemed to be audio. Um, gosh, that's such a short period of time, but it seems like <laughs> ages ago. <laughs> you know, back in the day. <laughs> so what did you do with this? What did you do with these teleclasses once you were done with them? So they were, um, they are, when I, well, the first couple, I pretty much just, you know, ran them and let them sit because, you know, I was sort of learning and they probably were, you know, um, they were practice ones for me. In in moving through that process, I actually moved into actually running a, uh, more like a program. So I ran a, a, a four-week um, program called Hello Money, Goodbye Cashflow Chaos. It was like, a, you know, let's just start having a conversation, and I charged uh, for that. That became a program which then I can package and sell on an ongoing basis. So that's really where you start to leverage. The first time you run it, you have to be there physically to run it, you record all of that and package it together, and many people will do that with a series of teleclasses. I didn't happen to do it that way, but you could run five or seven teleclasses that have a similar theme and then package that into a product that you can then sell where you don't have to be there to deliver it. So, and I, lo I love this idea because I think that this, ex what you're getting into, and I thank you so much for doing this, is exactly what it means to truly leverage 
kind of an online community, an online space. You build your list. You get people interested. You co- you communicate with them regularly, and then you offer them information that they really want to know. And then the step beyond that is now recording that in some way, packaging it in some way to make it there available so that as people want it, they can come get it and you're not doing any extra work for it. You bet. Got it. So so what did that, how did you offer that? Like once this was quote unquote packaged, like how, what did that look like and how were you making it available to people? So the, the, probably the best example of that is the one that I'm currently running because it's a much more sort of, um, well put together program. It's what I, uh, the current one, it's called uh, Personal Wealth Elevation Bootcamp and it's a six week audio series and it's packaged as a series of audios plus a bunch of worksheets and uh, materials. It's uh, available as a program and inside of that there's, um, you know, activities and, and really all, kind of all the pieces that they need to run through that program. There's an opportunity to have a, a call with me as well so they can ask questions. And so that becomes a, a package that then I market and invite people to move towards through uh, an, a free online training. So the, you know, the online training provides huge value. They get a ton of information. It gives them some great content that they didn't have and then invites them to say, listen, if this is the kind of stuff you're looking for, here's a, a way to get more of it. Got it. And, you know, so that progression and then to, you know, get them into the, the online training is this special report that, I, um, that I've created, which is called the 1% Secret, 99, what 99% of business owners don't know about why their business isn't working. So a lot of it's just, you know, what do you want to tell people? Right? That's sort of where it started for me. I was like, well, what do I want to tell people? What do I, how can I move to help people move one step, two steps from where they are? Right? This is one of the biggest challenges with programs. It's one of the things I have to really watch myself on is I want to, I want to fix everybody. Right. <laughs> I just want to give it all to them. <laughs> and, this, and it's totally overwhelming for people. And so it's taken me a while to understand that you know, it's actually less helpful to give them everything. Because they just can't, you can't swallow. It's like drinking from a fire hose, right? So, so, so you really had to like, like break it down into different steps yeah. or segments. Yeah. And so this program is, you know, really looking at the first, you know, some of the first places of how you start to look at your money, about how you do your money and how you be around your money. And it's, you know, it's some of it's that place and kind of wherever you are in your money process is going to give you some tools to be able to get to that next step. And mm-hmm. then the, the tr- online training that comes before that, so I sort of worked backwards. I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to deliver? And then what do I want to say on the training that's going to help them be ready to take that step? Because the reason they're coming on to the training is because they want help. And so it, I need to be able to, like, uh, my job is to look at it and say, well, how can I invite people to take the next step? so that it doesn't feel too scary, so it doesn't feel too overwhelming, so that they're excited about it. Hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much for going so deep into that process because, like I said, that's a really good kind of step-by-step process on how do you actually create product? How do you actually sell that product over and over again? And how do you do it in a way that kind of chunks it down in digestible pieces that really add value to the people who are looking for it? That's really good. 
And I think one of the big things for your listeners, um, you know, and this is certainly my situation, is I, I talk about and teach about something that most people don't really want to talk about. <laughs> most people don't really, even if they know that they need me, they don't want to want to me- need me. Right? So you have to chunk it down. Like my job is to chunk it down into a place where they, I'm inviting them to the table. I'm inviting them to have a conversation. And so if you're teaching about anxiety or you're teaching about stress or you're teaching about um, some of the things that, you know, people avoid actually wanting to deal with, a really great way to, to invite people to the conversation is to give it to them in small pieces where they can just take a little bite. I love that. And they really, really. And that's so true for, I, I think, quite a few industries because it's not a sexy topic but it's so needed and the information is so there so you're constantly thinking of like how do I market this in a way that you know can really get in front of people and really grabs their attention and actually delivers but doesn't overwhelm I think that's a really great piece of information Karen what what are some of the major ways that throughout your business journey and building up your practice and you know now building up your online business what are some of the the major ways that you've really evolved as a businesswoman Oh, as a businesswoman, my gosh, business, I tell you, uh, running a business is like the most challenging personal development program you could ever do. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting. I sort of look at it like an upward spiral, you know, and, and, you know, you sort of go through and you, I, I say, okay, well, here's this, you know, learning about trusting myself. Right, and I'll I'll go through this place where you know I have to sort of relearn to trust my instincts, and then you know it's almost like I go through this, go around this spiral, and then I then I have to go through it again at a new level, right? And I'm I'm moving up, but it's it's like we hit the same topics, and most of us will have two or three topics that are those sort of you know challenge areas. And for me, one of the big ones is really trusting my instincts. Uh, one of the challenges that I came up to, and um, I know one of the questions that we had talked about was, you know, <laughs> where have I, you know, had some challenges that I've I've come through? And one of the big ones was I recognized that I I was in a coaching program, and I recognized as a participant, and I recognized that I was I had become codependent in that relationship, that I was expecting them to be able to tell me what to do and how to build my business, which is not really what a business coach is supposed to do. They're right. supposed to guide you. Right. And I was looking at them to fix me. And so when I, when I recognized that, and it's part of that trusting, right, trusting myself, trusting my instincts, when I recognized that, I had to go. And so I, I left that program and, and really spent that time going, okay, <laughs> what do I think? Right? What do I want my business to look like? And so, you know, for me, that was that's one of those things that comes up. I have to remind myself that I've got great instincts, and that I and when I look at the things that I've built on my own instincts, they're really strong. But I forget that. So that's one area that comes up again. It's like that spiral, right? Oh, here we are again. <laughs> new level, new double is what my coach used to say. You just keep on learning, like it keeps on coming up in your life until you really, really get it <laughs> and you really like make I'm a shift, that you know? It's soon. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, what do you, what is your big vision for the company? Where do you want to take your company? What are you most excited about that's coming up? Well, 
what I really am excited about is is really digging into building this commu- uh, this community. Um, I love doing the one on work one on one work that I do, and I'll, like I said, we'll continue to do that. What I'm really excited about is building out this larger community online and in person. So I've got all of the structure built out now for the online uh, aspect of it, which uh, I sort of talked to the, through the uh, um, the process. And if anybody's interested in finding that information, uh, if you want to go to the one percent secret, and that's all written out, all in letters, the one percent secret dot com, and that is the special report that it will really walk you through sort of what's up with you in your business. It'll help you look at your persona. Uh, your particular entrepreneurial power persona of what you do in your business and your money that's helping you and hindering you. And then you can move through that process. I've given you all the the uh, inside scoop on, on what to expect. So I'm using that to build my online world. And then uh, on an offline basis, I'm looking at building out a workshop model. I'm one of the things that I've added to my repertoire in the last year and I'm continuing to do is uh, working a lot more on the um, mindset piece. I've done my uh, NLP practitioner and timeline therapy practitioner training and I'm doing my master trainer in a couple of months. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about is being able to help people not just set up the systems and the structures around their money, but to actually change the way that they are around money, the habits, the patterns, the beliefs that they have, the limiting decisions around money that has sort of created the problem in the first place. And so that needs to happen more one-on-one. And so I'm working on building out a workshop model so that I can get connected with people in a, a very real way at the core of what's creating a problem for them. Awesome. So that's my next step. Very cool. So I want to transition into our final round of um, the interview, which is your favorite five. Are you ready? Okay. So what is your favorite book? Uh, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Oh, it's such a good book. All right. Um, What is your favorite online money tool that you use? Oh, good question. You know what? I use Excel. I'll be honest. (laughs) I like to make it really simple for people, and I use Excel all the time because you can use, like, simple formulas, and it's easy to use, and people know how to use it. Question number three, what is your your favorite secret indulgence? Secret indulgence is, um, is sitting at the lake. I will go two or three times a day for five, even five minutes and just go and listen to the water. What is your favorite part about coaching? Seeing the dramatic changes in people and that the impact it has on their life. You mentioned before offline that we that you have traveled a bit in your life. So I want to know what has been your favorite place that you've traveled to? I lived for six months in England, and I spent many, many, many days taking the train up into the Lake District. And it was just stunning, stunningly beautiful, and just lovely little pubs and shops and beautiful landscape and hills and valleys gorgeous Lake District in uh, in the north end of England. Well, Karen, I really want to thank you so much for taking your time, for sharing with us about your business and how you have built it, um, and specifically for getting into so much detail about your online products and building out the community. I think that was very wonderful. And, um, and everyone can go and get your download by uh, going to the show notes today for Karen. So thank you so much for your time. 
You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. It was my pleasure. bizwomenrock.com forward slash 104 is where you'll find all the show notes for this conversation. Not only the uh, her favorite five, which are pretty cool, but also the 1% report that she was talking about. So it's there. It's available to you totally free. Um, it would be a really great resource. One of the things that I love most about that conversation was the emphasis that she really put on a regular communication with your community. So she does a weekly newsletter and it takes a lot of discipline to do, but as she said, it really helped build up her voice. It, you know, continues to allow people to be in communication with her and vice versa. And I loved that she really showed us that you really have to chunk down your information because just like her, I'm sure you have an area of expertise that you know so much about and to dump it on somebody in such a vast amount is a lot and very overwhelming. And uh, when it comes to really productizing, I think that's a really great piece of information. So to really chunk it down into different sections um, and to make it digestible for people. All right, so I hope you had a great time listening to this interview. I hope you took a lot of information away and are going and taking action on it. Have a great day, and I can't wait to see you on the next episode. 